0: I got mixed up how many shopping days they have until Christmas But I think it's much more appropriate for us to be thinking about how many Worshipping days we have until Christmas Because the whole point of Christmas is to worship Jesus Christ the Son of God for coming into the world and the gifts that he brings us by coming into the world and dying on the cross So that's what we've been doing these last few weeks here at Grace Church. We've been doing a series, a special Christmas sermon series called The Gifts Jesus Brings. We started off talking about how Jesus brings us by by being born and by dying on the cross. He brings us the gift of righteousness and forgiveness. We talked about how he brings us the gift of spiritual riches. Pastor Ben powerfully preached on that two weeks ago. Then last week we talked about how Jesus brings us the gift of godliness changed lives. And now this morning, we're going to talk about how by being born, Jesus brings us the gift of salvation and God's presence. And the passage we want to focus on is Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. This is the Christmas story in Matthew's gospel. So let's turn there. I want to read these verses, and while we're reading, let's focus on what did the Holy Spirit Lead Matthew to emphasize in these powerful verses. Matthew chapter 1, 25. Look at what Matthew emphasizes. Verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother, Mary, had been betrothed, that means engaged, to Joseph. passage. But like I said earlier, we want to focus on what the Holy Spirit led Matthew to emphasize because what the Holy Spirit led Matthew to emphasize is what God wants us especially to emphasize and learn from this passage. For example, we could talk a lot about how how did Mary as a young teenage girl feel about finding out that she was pregnant? Or or how did Joseph feel when he heard that his fiancée was pregnant? Those are interesting questions, but neither of those are what Matthew focuses on here. And as I studied this passage this week afresh, I saw three points, at least three points, that Matthew is especially emphasizing. So I want to show you why I think that's what Matthew emphasized and then take us through these one by one and talk about what they mean for us. So three main points that Matthew emphasizes. First, that Jesus was born of a virgin. We've seen that, right, already. Second, that Jesus saves us from our sins. And third, that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. So let's take these one at a time. Starting, first of all, Jesus is born of a virgin. So Joseph and Mary were betrothed to each other, which means they were committed to marry each other. They were engaged. But then, Mary discovered that she was pregnant so she told joseph joseph did not want to shame her so he decided to end the engagement quietly but before he can do that i love this and the angel comes to him and tells him how mary got pregnant read verse 20 again but as he joseph considered these things Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now, Let's talk about this a little bit more. First of all, the Bible teaches that God is one God in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. And each person of the Trinity, the three persons are completely united together in purpose and in will. But each has their own unique role to play in the plan of salvation. And it was the Holy Spirit, God the Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, who miraculously, supernaturally, caused this virgin Mary to become pregnant without any sexual relations, without the involvement of any man. And notice how often Matthew emphasizes that point in these verses. This is a huge point that Matthew wants us to get here. I already quoted from verse 20, but look back at verse 18. Matthew says that before they, speaking of Mary and Joseph, before they came together sexually, is the point. She was found to be with child. So this is a miraculous, supernatural pregnancy. Matthew also emphasizes this by quoting the prophet Isaiah from the Old Testament. And remember, Isaiah prophesied 700 years before Christ was born. 700 B.C. So if today's the year 2020, that would put us back to the year 1320. That's a long time before. And in verse 23, Isaiah prophesied that the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Amazing. And then to be sure we don't miss this, Matthew emphasizes it once again in verse 25, where he says that Joseph knew her not until she had given birth. So they didn't have sexual relations until after Jesus was born. Okay, so one clear point here from this passage is that Jesus was born of a virgin. And this is crucial for us to understand for a number of reasons. Let me just mention one, and that's because there are people, you, you know them, there's people who think that Christians believe that the way Mary got pregnant was by God the Father having sexual relations with Mary. There's people who believe that's what we believe. Well, it's very clear that's not what happened at all. And so I would encourage you this week to share this passage with some of your friends who think that's what Christians believe, because that's not what Christians believe at all. Mary became pregnant supernaturally, miraculously, by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's very clear from what Matthew writes here. Now, if you're like more of a scientific bent, you might be thinking, okay, now wait a minute. Virgins don't conceive. Biologically, virgins don't get pregnant. That's just not biologically possible. Some of you might be thinking that, and it's a fair question to ask. But let me encourage you don't leave out the most important factor in the equation. Yes, we've got biology, which is important, but don't forget the God who created biology. God came up with biology biology was his idea and the God who created biology certainly can Transcend biology or ignore biology. I thought here's an illustration. See this helps If you're a contractor and you build a house Certainly you have the ability 10 years later to come and remodel that house, right? Make some changes in that house God made biology so God can tweak or ignore or transcend biology any way he chooses. God totally has the power to cause a virgin to become pregnant. And that's exactly what Matthew is describing here. And God did that one time. He supernaturally, miraculously, had a virgin become pregnant. I mean, think of the billions and billions of pregnancies that have taken place throughout world history. Billions of them. But one time, one time, God supernaturally had a virgin become pregnant. That's one point Matthew wants to make in this passage. Jesus was born of a virgin. Now, why? Why did Jesus need to be born of a virgin? It's because God wanted to help us understand that Jesus was fully God And fully man. This is very important because there's lots of people today who will grant that Jesus was a a good man. He was an enlightened man, some would say. He was a very wise man, a very kind and loving and self sacrificing man. There's many people today who would grant that Jesus is a wonderful man. But Jesus isn't just a man, he is fully man, but he's also fully. God. So the fact that Jesus was born of Mary shows that, yes, he is fully man. And the fact that he is born by the Holy Spirit, that his conception was by the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit, shows that he, in addition to being fully man, was also fully God. And don't miss just how amazing this is. Because what we're talking about here is that the all powerful God who created the galaxies who has all power, who's in sovereign control of everything in the universe, who has always existed from eternity past with no beginning, this God humbled himself and was born as a baby. The baby that Mary was holding in her arms is God, our Creator God. Now, listen to this quote from Charles Spurgeon. I find this so powerful, the way he puts these contrasts. Charles Spurgeon, preacher in England in the 1800s, here's what he said, describing the baby, Jesus, infinite and yet an infant, eternal and yet born of a woman, almighty and yet nursing at a woman's breast. Supporting a universe, and yet needing to be carried in a mother's arms. Heir of all things, and yet the carpenter's despised son. So God had Jesus be born supernaturally of a virgin by the power of the Holy Spirit to help us understand that Jesus is is not just a man. He is fully man, yes but he's also fully God. He's fully man and fully God. So that's one truth that Matthew emphasizes here. Now, second truth he emphasizes. Jesus saves us from our sins. The Holy Spirit led Matthew to write down what the angel said to Joseph. And look at that again in verse 21. The angel says to Joseph, she will bear a son, And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Okay, the name Jesus is from the Hebrew word Yeshua, which means Savior. So the name Jesus isn't just Jesus' name. It is that, but it's more. It's also Jesus' title. It describes who he is, what he does. Savior. So, one reason Jesus was born was so that he could save his people from their sins. And the reason this is such amazingly good news is because all of us and all of humanity need to be saved from our sins. I was thinking this week along these lines. So, remember the Titanic was a big ocean liner that was going from England over to the US, and it hit an iceberg on the way. Tragically, it sank. And after it sank, so the water was full of all these people who all desperately needed to be saved, right? Every single one of them needed to be saved. Did the good swimmers need to be saved? Absolutely. They would freeze and drown and die just like anybody else would. Everybody in the water needed to be saved with that tragic shipwreck of the Titanic. And in the same way, the whole human race, each of us needs to be saved from our Sins. Think about it like this: God created us. He created you. He gave you life. What did you do to deserve life? Nothing. He gave you the gift of life. He gave you an amazing body. I mean, just think about eyes. But you can see. What an astonishing thing. You have hands, right? You have feet, you can walk, you can think, and you can talk. He gave you life. He gave you a body. He gave you an amazing world to live in, this beautiful planet Earth. God has done all that for us, and because we see that God has created everything, He's all-powerful, flawlessly wise, overflowingly good, we have, therefore, every reason to trust Him perfectly, to obey Him instantly, to love Him supremely, right? Just as clear as day. And yet we have all turned our backs against God And walked away from him and that's what the Bible calls sin that's sin and God is very patient but he does have justice and in his justice he must punish sin so every human being deserves eternal punishment in hell for our sin forever so we all deserve But here's the good news. Jesus came to save his people from their sins. That's why he was born 2,000 years ago. Now, how did he do this? How did he save us from our sins? It's by dying on the cross. Because on the cross, Jesus was punished for the sins of everyone who will trust him. He took the punishment that you and I deserved upon Himself, and He was punished. He was punished for our sins. And that's one of the reasons why Jesus could not just have been fully God, but had to be fully man, so that He could suffer on the cross and die. I was thinking this week, Jesus needed a a, a head so that the crown of thorns, as tragic as this is, could be rammed down crushed onto his head. Jesus needed a back which could be torn open by those horrible whips that the Rus- that the Romans used. Jesus needed wrists and feet that could be nailed to the cross. Jesus needed a body that could suffer the cross, receive the punishment that we deserve, suffer on the cross, and die. And, and as, as heartbreaking as Jesus' physical sufferings were That was nothing compared to the fact that what he was receiving was God the Father's wrath for our sin. God's wrath was being poured out upon Jesus, the wrath that we deserve. But then, three days later, God raised him from the dead, showing the whole world, this is not the death of a common criminal, this is the death of the Savior, my Son. He's paid for the sins of everyone who will trust Him. So how do we get saved? Jesus came to save His people from their sins. How do we get saved? And the answer is not by being baptized or taking communion. It's not by having Christian parents or going to church. It's not by trying to be good enough. It's one way, only one way, and that's by trusting Jesus. Are you trusting Jesus this morning? Are you trusting Him? Are you trusting Him to forgive your sins? Are you trusting Him to change you, to set you free from sin's power? Are you trusting Him to bring God's very presence, His, his love, His joy, His peace into your life? See, the moment you put your trust in Jesus... The moment you turn from sin and say, Jesus, I trust you, all those things happen. All your sins forgiven. His power comes, starts to change you, he brings his presence. All that happens when you trust him. Are you trusting him? That's the question. Are you trusting him? That's Matthew's second point in this passage. Jesus saves us from our sins. Okay, so we've seen Matthew emphasizing two things so far. First, Jesus was born of a virgin. And second, Jesus saves us from our sins. But that's not all Matthew wants to emphasize. He also wants to show us that Jesus is God with us. Jesus is God with us. The Holy Spirit led Matthew to quote from the prophet Isaiah who wrote 700 years, like I said, before Jesus was born. This is a quote from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Read it this afternoon. But we'll Look again at what is written in verses 22 and 23. All this took place, the birth of Jesus, to fulfill what the Lord had spoken 700 years before by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So not only is Jesus Yeshua, Savior, he's also Emmanuel, which means God with us in the Hebrew. So what does it mean that Jesus is God with us? I think it means at least three things. First, it means that Jesus is God showing us who God is. In Jesus, God shows us who He is. I mean, here's the question. There's lots of different religions out there, right? Lots of different theologians and scholars and philosophers saying this about God, and I think this is about God. There's all this thought, all these different, contradictory thoughts about God out there. But God didn't leave us in our contradictory confusion. God came. And in Jesus, God shows us not only that He is real, God is real, but shows us who God is. What could be more clear than God showing up, walking on planet Earth, showing us who He is? And that's what God has done in Jesus. shows us that God is real. But it's not all. There's a second way that Jesus is God with us It's that in Jesus, by being saved from our sins through Jesus, the result of that is that Jesus brings us God's help. I love this. Do you need God's help? I need God's help all the time. Jesus brings us God's help. So because you are saved from your sins, through trusting Jesus, God is always there to help you. God is always loving you. You have God's undivided attention all the time. He's always caring for you, rejoicing over you to do you good, loving you, there to help you. So, for example, when you're confused, anybody confused here this morning? God is there to guide you, to help you with your confusion. When you're feeling weak as you're battling some temptation, God is right there, right there, ready to strengthen you and to help you with that. When you're discouraged, God is there to encourage you. When you're going through some suffering, some trials, and don't misunderstand, saved people go through trials. God, in His love, purposefully, wisely, lovingly allows us to go through trials, but when we go through trials, God is there to comfort us. Oh, He will comfort us. So Jesus is God. We've seen two ways so far, by showing us that God is real, and by bringing us God's help but there's one more way that Jesus is God with us it's by giving us God's presence so first by showing us that God is real second by bringing us God's help and then third by giving us God's presence because you are trusting Jesus you can have times where you experience the very presence of God Now, this was obviously true for the disciples who were there on earth when Jesus was on earth, right? Jesus was right in front of them, flesh and blood, the very presence of God. They had that beautiful privilege of of having God's presence right there in front of them physically. But this is also true for everyone who's trusting Jesus, even after Jesus ascended into heaven. And to show you that, I want you to look at John chapter 16, verse 7. This is an amazing scripture. I would encourage you to memorize this verse. In John 16, Jesus' disciples are grieving that he's going to be ascended, ascending into heaven and gone from earth. They were grieving that. But look at what Jesus says to them in verse 7 of John 16. Nevertheless, I tell you. Sorry, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage That I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Again, think about this. The disciples had Jesus physically, the very presence of God right before them. But Jesus says, It's to your advantage that I leave. I'm going to be leaving. But that's to your advantage because I will send you the Helper. Who is the helper? The the third person of the Trinity. God the Spirit. And the main job of the Holy Spirit is to make the the presence of God real to us in our experience with all the strength that comes from that and all the peace that comes from that, all the wonder that comes from that. That's what the Holy Spirit does. So everyone who trusts Jesus receives the helper who makes God's presence real real to us. Now here's an example. I was so excited. I read this just this last week. You know I like to share illustrations from Hudson Taylor. Okay, he was one of the first missionaries to inland China, 1800s. And here's what he experienced a few months after he had put his trust in Jesus when he was 15 years old. Okay? 15 years old. Listen to what Hudson Taylor experienced. Here's what he wrote. A few months after I was saved, I went up to my own room and to spend the afternoon in communion with God. I remember that I poured out my soul before God, confessing my love to Him. I surrendered everything, myself, my life, my friends, my all, to the Lord. And I remember the deep seriousness That came over my soul with the assurance that my offering of myself was accepted. Now look at what happens next. The presence of God became unutterably real and blessed. And though but a child under 16, I remember stretching myself on the ground and lying there silent before him with unspeakable awe and unspeakable Joy. Because you're trusting Jesus, Jesus gives you the presence of God, brings you the presence of God. You will have times where you experience God's presence in ways like Hudson Taylor did here. So let's just step back now. What have we seen from this passage? Matthew 1, 18-25. We've seen that Jesus was born of a virgin. Super important. We've seen that Jesus saves us from our sins. That's why He came. But that's not all. For all who are saved from their sins, Jesus brings God's presence to us. He is God with us. That shows us that God is real and who God is. That brings us God's help in everyday situations we're facing. And that gives us God's heart-filling presence. Now, Grace Church, just sit back now. Just let this just rest on you. Look at all that we have. All that we have. Because Jesus Christ came into the world 2,000 years ago. Saved from our sins. Are you trusting Jesus? We can be saved from our sins. If you're not trusting Jesus yet, oh, I plead with you. This morning, see all that Jesus is. you see the love, the mercy, the reality, the truth, the power, the goodness, the compassion? You can be saved from your sins and experience the very presence of God today by turning from your sin, putting your trust in Jesus Christ. And those of you who are trusting Jesus, you have God as your help. You have complete forgiveness. There will never be any punishment that you will face, and you will have times where you experience God's very presence like Hudson Taylor did. We have a Savior who loves us this much, who has done for us this much. So trust Him, love Him, worship Him this Christmas season.